Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I haven't made up my mind yet if I was going to change up the theme song for this, but there's eh, time. Welcome to the season premiere of Believe in the Business of Fitness. I am your host, the coach, Ian Knight, and you are in for a special episode today. I want to give a shout out to everyone across the world who hasn't tuned into the show before, and a special shout out to my loyal fan base out there in Arizona, San Diego, and Seattle. Your patronage has allowed us to spread our influence and bring you some pretty spectacular guests. Like, you don't even know. This season is going to be pretty wild. You're going to tune into some high-quality content. Before I jump into our superstar guest today, I want to expand on what's happened here on our end. Uh, Long story short, COVID has killed the majority of the fitness events across our country. No joke, especially at my home base here in Phoenix. So I decided to pivot, and instead, I I don't want to talk about anything negative. I want to talk about the positive. I want to talk about something good. I want to highlight the professionals in our world that have built incredible health and wellness businesses and brands. And I want to bring you their stories. And hopefully along the way, they'll give you some tips and tricks to show you how to become an even better professional. I don't want to say hopefully they will. I know they will. Now, let's jump into our first episode. We have a two-decade veteran in the game, people. A two-decade veteran. You have no idea how hard that is in our business. This man has run successful gyms and training teams across the nation, but also other businesses, including a cell phone store. That's right. We're talking about a man of many talents. We're talking about Brooklyn, New York's own native James P. Quigley. He is a business coach, a mentor who coaches other owners and coaches who are ready to maximize their talents and bring fitness to the forefront of their communities. Quigley has mentored and coached all over the world, including Germany and Dubai. Ladies and gentlemen, break out your notepads and your pens and get ready for an experience that you will never forget. Roll it. Shout out to everyone outside of the Valley. This time we're finally international. Super excited about that. Today with me, I have Mr. James Quigley. Uh, James, I pronounced pronounced your last name correctly, right? Yeah, it was perfect. All right, there we go. I got to think about butchering names. Um, folks, I'm going to let him introduce himself, but I'm going to let you know right now, uh, you are in for a treat. Uh, a lot of you, if you know what I do out there in the marketing world, you're talking to someone who's doing it even on a bigger level. So if you want to give him your business, hey, feel right ahead. James, go ahead and introduce yourself out there to the world. Uh, Ian, that was, that, you just introduced me perfectly right there. Thank you so much. Uh, that was humbling. Uh, well, pleasure to meet everyone. Uh, those listening in, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, my name is James Quigley, and I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, now live in Austin, Texas. I'm a business coach and mentor for fitness professionals and entrepreneurs. Uh, I help uh, fitness professionals learn how to serve their communities at the highest level and build profitable businesses along the way. So that's a little bit of what I do. Well, we're definitely going to dive in a lot deeper than that. So everyone out there, especially back home in Arizona, I'm giving you what you wanted. You wanted you wanted more business acumen. You wanted someone out there to help you build your businesses. I'm finally giving it to you. So before we dive into the juicy details, uh, James, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your past, uh, especially post high school years? Yeah. Um, so post high school years, you know, sports was done. Um, I put on some weight. And I think uh, a lot of former athletes will kind of resonate with that. If you didn't go on to college sports, 
it was over at the high school. So sports was done. And I decided to hang with the guys and be in the streets. Grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, started eating, smoking cigarettes. And life just kind of took a very different turn from when I was a kid, my whole life being healthy and playing sports. Uh, about a couple of years later, about I was 20, 21 years old, uh, had my daughter. And, you know, babies having babies is a very, very strange thing. But it was a wake-up call. And I realized, I looked down at my stomach, and I realized I had this big old stomach, whereas I've been always skinny my whole life. Um, I couldn't smoke cigarettes anymore. I just couldn't do it anymore. I just got disgusted from it. And so I went on a health kick and joined my first gym at, I think it was Autumn Gym in Brooklyn, New York. They're no longer there. It was $70 for the year. That just shows you, that just tells you how long ago this was. <laughs> Um, but lo and behold, I, I fell in love. I just fell in love with the changes that I saw in my body. I felt like an athlete again. Uh, I was training. Um, and I opened up my first business at the age of 23. Uh, it was op I opened up a, a cell phone store. And at that time, I was always working in cell phones and pager stores uh, in New York City. And I had my first real business lesson with my former boss. And he gave me an option. He was like, hey, listen, you know, I'm about to sign on and become a, the, a Verizon dealer. At that time, Verizon just came on the scene. No one was doing that. And he said, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either come work for me and you can help me manage a bunch of stores. You get a nice salary. Or I'm going to fire you today, but I'm going to give you the keys to this place and you'll have that lease for the next four months. I'll give you, you know, 24 hours to think about it, your decision. 24 and hours. And that's a big, yeah, that's a big decision, right? I'm like, wow, you know, do I go and get a job and take the salary or do I venture out and try everything that I've been doing on my own for the last few years? And that was the start of my entrepreneurial life. So. From there, um, I owned the store for a few years. I realized that the market was changing. That was right before all of these companies started to understand that they have more power in the market. And they started to open up their own stores. So there was no Sprint stores before this. There were no real Verizon stores or T-Mobile. And they started to sprout up. And I saw, I saw the change in the, in the industry. And so I got out. I got out and that was my first failure in business which was one of the most important lessons of my life, which was great. It just, it taught me a lot of the lessons that I needed to learn, uh, including the, the biggest lesson was mind your finances. Mm -hmm. If you're starting a business and you're, and you're on the younger entrepreneur side, mind your finances. That is number one. Go get a professional, hire an accountant before, before you get your logo, before you get your website, before you do any of that stuff, go get an accountant. <laughs> I learned that very early. Well, um, and, and here, and I want to backtrack a little bit um, for yeah. some of our younger entrepreneurs as well. Your opportunity to jump into business, oftentimes a lot of us, we're not ready for it, me included. I, mm -hmm. It, it kind of blindsided me, but you have to be prepared as best as you can. And the thing that I really like about your story, James, is that you already had an internal motivation. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people's motivation will come from their kids. Um, especially you. I mean, like I said, you're about, I think you said you're about 20 years old, heading into 21. You got a kid on the way. Yeah. I mean, 
a lot of what a lot of people consider their golden years or their the time in life to do what they want. Yours got cut short. You had to grow up incredibly fast and say, nope, I, it's 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 grind. It's, you know, foot to the pavement. I got to grind it out right now if I want to build a future for someone else. And you took that risk. You know, you gave up the salary, the comfy job, the knowing how much you're going to get paid. And you decided that you wanted to have a little bit more control, um, whether you know if you did that or not. But a lot of entrepreneurs out there, your opportunity, your chance to own your own business, it might be right around the corner. And I wanted to highlight that. I hope you're ready because it is going to be a risk. So make sure you know what your motivation is. That is a great point. That is such a great point. Like, these opportunities come disguised often as like challenges, right? They just, they come disguised as like problems. And, and you gotta be able to look, you gotta be able to see the solution. And that's where your biggest opportunities actually lie. So yeah, that's a great point, Ian. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I didn't realize that. So thank you, I appreciate that. Right. Um, see, you learn, I learned something new every day. See, I learned from you too, so. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, believe me, I, I believe me. We're definitely going to learn a lot more from you. So, for instance, I'm telling you right now, I'm definitely going to make sure that I go out and I get myself an accountant now. I actually have that written. I don't know if you heard me scribbling in the background, but yeah, yeah. Great, I have a, great I have, a, I'm, I'm, I have a personal. Um, what do you want to call them? I have a business finance advisor, but I do not have an accountant. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point to make that distinction. You know, you can have someone that advises you on how to invest your money, advise you where to put your money, but you want someone that counts your money <laughs> and someone that you can trust that's going to count your money to let you know, you know, what do you have to spend and, you know, what, what can you project going forward? It's very, very important. Um, so long after that, I failed, you know, but it was a great failure. It was failing forward, I call it. What was next? I didn't know what was going to come next, and I took some time off. I was going to move to California. And I, you know, you mentioned, you know, being a West Coast guy, I love the West Coast vibe. I loved it. And I was going to San Diego back and forth a lot. And I've always wanted to live near the beach. I always wanted to maybe learn how to surf. I love the outdoors. Um, and I was very close to pulling the trigger, but a friend of mine said, Hey, we're doing a summer house in the Hamptons. Uh, we'd love to have you down. You can bartend. I also did bartending on the side in the city. So he's like, you can bartend in the Hamptons, make some extra cash, and you live in this Hamptons house, and we're going to have a great time. Well, I'm 25. That does not sound like a bad idea, <laughs> right? It does not sound like a bad idea for a 25-year-old. It doesn't sound like a bad idea um, right now, and I'm 30. No, I'm single. <laughs> it's great, right? And so I took, I took the opportunity, and I thought about becoming a trainer as my mother worked with a trainer, and... I was super into fitness. I was constantly working out. I was always helping people in the gym. I was, you know, I was kind of dabbling and taking, helping out some friends working out, but I was not a professional yet. And so my roommate in the house ended up being a manager at uh, Account Sports International in New York City, uh, on Long Island actually. And we just got to talking. He's talking about my sales background and we're just chatting it up and he, actually right then on the spot offered me uh, the assistant fitness manager position. And wow. That, so you're, yeah. And that was my, so your people skills. Yeah. Your people skills were on point then, which a lot of, um, if you've ever started off as being a trainer or a group fitness instructor, you're going to know that 
you got to have people skills. A majority of the sales process is building trust. If people don't trust you, they're not going to buy from you. Um, so mm-hmm. the fact that she was comfortable enough to offer you a job, even though you didn't have technically the the credentials or the licensure already, that's that's a very good indicator that your natural people skills will carry you a long way. And that's such a great point. You know, I built that um, through working in retail. I was super shy growing up. I was very insecure, uh, very insecure person. And luckily through working in retail and working with, uh, you know, you know, some, uh, I'll say this to all my, uh, my Jewish brothers and sisters, I was working with Israelis and Syrian Jews in New York city. And so if you want to learn how to sell, go hang out with those people. They're awesome. Right. But they got me out of my comfort zone. They got me out of my shell and I learned how to interact with people on a daily basis. I learned how to interact mostly with adults as a young child, as a young kid. So that was really helpful. So if, if you're looking, I always tell people, if you want to be a trainer, you want to be a coach, you want to be an instructor, you want to get into the fitness industry, one of the best places to start is at the front desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because who's the first person you see when you go check in at your club? Exactly. And you get to meet everyone. You meet everyone, you talk to everyone, you end up getting to know everyone's like personal life because they see you're the first person they see. And it really helps you to build those uh, interpersonal skills. Yep. And actually, I'll give, um, you know, James, let me know if I'm wrong, too, because you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Pro tip. One thing that I always tell uh, small gym owners, especially uh, fitness studios, I tell them your front desk person has to be incredibly friendly. But I tell them they're head of their training staff. You want to make sure because that position flip will flip flop a lot depending on your turnover, which if you have a high turnover, you have a problem. You need to fix that. But make friends with them because the more they like you, the more they'll recommend people to you. So Joe Blow, who's been going to the gym or the studio for the last month, who's not seeing results, who's getting increasingly frustrated um, and feeling the stress from home, when they finally do build up the courage or they let it slip out in conversation, because they will let it slip in conversation that they're looking for a little bit more, your front desk person, they're going to be quick to say, man, you need to go see James. James helped me out with this. They did that. And they're going to blow you up and they're going to build that trust automatically for you. Yeah, that's such a great point, Ian. Such a great point. And that's something that I would, I would touch with all my uh, trainers back in the day when they worked on my staff was really get a chance to know not only the front desk people, but the housekeepers and the sales consultants. Like they know everyone. Right. They know everyone. They're the first people that most people talk to on a day to day basis. And so they're going to be the first people to recommend. Uh, So that's a great point. Right. So, um, like I said, you're in New York. You learned a lot by hanging out with other communities. You really got comfortable talking to adults. Those skills landed you an assistant manager position at a gym. Where did we go from there? So from there, I worked on Long Island for about two, three months, I was the assistant fitness manager. And I mean, I learned a lot within a very short time frame. However, and Ian, you may remember this. I had the young man's curse or the young person's curse, you know, too much ego. And one of the things that I remember, I wish if I have one regret, it was not, it was appreciating where I was. And it was okay to know that I didn't, I didn't need to know everything back then, but that wasn't the case, 
right? I thought I need to be this, I'm the manager, so I need to know everything. And that kind of like stopped me from really learning as much as I could back then. And I see the young person's curse because someone was told me that. And there was an older trainer who uh, was trying to give me some insight, trying to give me a little bit of advice on how to approach people and how to talk to people. And although I had good people skills, you know, I'm still fairly new at this, right? I'm still, I'm only 25 years old. Um, you can always learn to improve. And I remember him specifically looking at me and he goes, oh, oh, because I was saying, I know, I know, I know. And he was like, oh, okay. And he, I was like, what? He was like, you have the young man's curse. Too much ego. And it, it was like a, like a snap. A, a light went off in my head. And that's when I started to realize, hey, I don't have to know everything. There's always there's always a time to learn. And so that was like one of the first moments in my, in my young career back then that was humbling. And I, and I had to sit back and be like, Whoa, okay, there's more to learn here. Um, um, so from the, yeah, learning, yeah. I mean, learning never stops ever. Um, obviously a little biased, you know, everyone knows that I was a teacher back at Wichita state and, you know, I continue to go out and do public speaking events, but, uh, trust me, uh, you're hitting home right now. I mean, I, the one thing that yoga taught me right off the bat was you got to let that ego go. Cause if you don't let yeah. the ego go, you can't grow. When did you start doing yoga? I started doing yoga back in 2016. So I started in 2016. I got certified as an instructor in 2018, maybe. Yep. 2018. I got to check my oh, license. That's awesome. I started it this year. It's a little between yoga and meditation saved me throughout the pandemic and throughout the lockdowns and everything. That was my saving grace. So, oh yeah. Well, it's <laughs> I funny. Love, I love yoga. Well, it's funny because a lot of my thought leadership when uh, when people will ask me kind of like where this big change happened, I always tell them it was yoga. And they say, really, we would have guessed that you've been studying and reading a lot of this. stuff." I was like, yeah, I did read a lot of books from the yoga scriptures. But I tell them when you are forced to sit down in a room and breathe and focus on nothing, you'll learn a lot about yourself. But specifically, you'll learn a lot about where you are in life, where you want to go in life. And all the excuse language and all the bullshit that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. and how to and how to work around it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, learning how to get outside of my body, you know, a little bit differently than just the weights, you know, or, or, or sports performance or CrossFit. Um, it, there was it, it's humbling, you know, it's so humbling, and I love the lessons that I get I get taught every time I go take a yoga class. You know, every time I think I got something figured out, it's another position. It's holding it a little longer. It's breathing a little longer, breathing a little bit differently. It's it is literally one of my ego checkers, as I call it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's all about learn. It's all about growth, and you grow at your own pace. But so you learned a lot. I mean, you got you kind of got your ego check, and as you, I'm guessing, as you got a little bit older, you started connecting the dots that you don't need and learn everything. And I take it that's something that you mentor when you go off to work with a new business coach. Yes. So, uh, well, what do you mean, me work with with my coaches or me work with uh, coaches 
like me work with a business coach or me work with uh, well with like let's say coaches new, and my, my customers well i'm going to say like your clients like your new business coach so let's oh, say yes. yeah so I'm, I'm guessing that when you whenever you bring it or somebody decides like hey james i want to work with you we need to help build our studio a little bit is that something that you talk about just a little bit if if necessary or does it kind of just come up as need be well the first the first part we always talk about is self-awareness you know, whether it's, you know, a gym owner, whether it's a coach, they need to understand that they have to know it's them. So it does come up because it's very hard to kind of look at yourself sometimes. It's very hard to, to, to understand that it's not your circumstances, but it was your choices that led you to, the, to your current destination. And so whenever someone does come or wants to come on the program, the first thing I asked them is like, what kind of personal development work have you done? Have you done any personal growth work? And if it's a no, I'll, I'll nine out of 10 times, I will actually refer them to go do some sort of personal development or growth first before coming on to the business program. Uh, because, you know, business is hard. Business is challenging. It's going to require you to become somebody else that you're currently not. And that's why it's always important to make sure that you started to, you started having self-awareness and that is, you know, checking that ego. So yeah, it does come up a lot. Okay. And, uh, sorry to jump around a little bit, but, uh, folks, I'm telling you, I'm excited. I mean, you're going to learn a lot here. So you were assistant manager at the club. Now you're working one-on-one or with large groups of, uh, coaches and other business owners that want to help improve themselves. How exactly did you make the transition from working in mainstream clubs into more of a mentorship role and more of a consultant role? Well, the transition was, I was working in Matt. What was great about corporate fitness, they give you a lot of tools, you know, they give you a lot of training, which was awesome. And you're surrounded by quality professionals, especially in New York City. Uh, so I got an opportunity to just kind of soak a lot of that in. Um, I did realize, though, I was only going to grow but so much. And I had my entrepreneur spirit. So I left. And I went and I opened up a small studio. And it was the first time that uh, I was on my own again. And through that experience, I started to learn all the trials that come with owning and operating an actual gym business on my own. Um, and without all the support, without all the tools, without all the, uh, without all the assistance. So that experience allowed me to be on my own for a little bit and to kind of get my hands dirty, to understand, you know, what are the mistakes that I'm making and what are the things that I'm actually doing well? That experience was priceless because that is what allowed me to, now I can sit in front of a gym owner, I can sit in front of a trainer, I can sit in front of a, an instructor, and I can talk about it from you know, their shoes as well, and their point of view. So after being on my own for a little bit, I went back to corporate fitness. Um, I, was a, I was owning I owned my own gym, and I, I ran a couple of different boot camps for about, I wanna say about five years. And it was kind of weird circumstances that brought me back to corporate fitness. Um, I was, uh, I was managing my own boot camp, and I was partnered up with shout out to Donnie Brady, uh, former, former, uh, NFL player, uh, phenomenal trainer, just one of the best trainers I've ever worked with. Um, and we had this great boot camp that we were running, but Sandy happened in New York city, the hurricane. Oh yeah. And it completely decimated 
we were running our we were running our camps in um, uh, at this place called Turf Island, which was like a lacrosse studio, and that place ended up being underwater. I mean, it was it was decimated. So I was kind of forced to go back to corporate fitness, and it was a great thing. It forced me back to New York. It forced me back to I'm sorry, forced me back to New York City, and it forced me back into that corporate world to get a little bit more honing and polish the skills a little bit. I was on my own for about five years, which was fantastic. But in corporate fitness, it allows you to polish up on some of your personal skills, your professionalism. And, you know, there's always a big emphasis on sales. Oh yeah. And so it thrusted me back into learning about sales and presentation and of course, marketing yourself as a professional, whether it's in the gym setting or outside of the gym. Uh, and, so that's kind of how I got back to mentoring uh, trainers and coaches again. Well, if you don't mind me asking, so how, about how old were you when you decide, or when you were forced to go back into corporate fitness? I was thirty. Okay, yeah, I was about thirty years old at this point. So, I mean, from pretty much twenty-five to thirty, you were you're running the show, you're calling the shots, and then boom. You're forced to go back to work for someone else. It, yeah. Now, the, excuse me, 32. I was 32. Sorry, 32. Yeah, 32. That's, yeah. I mean, that's tough. I mean, especially if you've been doing it well to, you know, give up the reins and go work for someone else. I mean, obviously, every company is different, but I say that in itself is a big, you know, ego check because, you know, corporate fitness, like you said, there is a big push on sales. When you're running the gym yourself or depending on how big it is, you get very intimate with your clients and the potential guests that walk in. So you really learn a lot about service. So uh, I'm just interested on my perspective, from my perspective, how was it balancing the sales with the personal connections? Um, just because knowing that oftentimes those two, depending on who you are, they could lead to different paths. Yeah, it was challenging for me, uh, that transition from being, you know, being so personal, where everyone walked in, I knew everyone in my own gyms. And it was very small, very community-based. And now you're in this large corporate setting, and the numbers are staggering, right? Like, I had to hit some major numbers. I had some huge quotas. And so that becomes, that becomes a driver, right? It's not so much the person anymore. It's about the numbers. It's about making sure that you hit these numbers. It's about making sure your coaches and your trainers hit their numbers, and so there was a shift there for me for a second. And I had to really learn how to navigate those waters again. And to be honest, I struggled. I struggled a lot because where I saw more of, okay, we need to have more personal one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. We need to have, it needs to be more about the person, needs to be more about the fitness, needs to be more about the journey. My managers did not care. They needed to hit the numbers. It was all about the numbers. And I'll give you an example. Sandy happened, right? And I'm working at the I'm working at this new at this new gym. And I remember my manager coming in and talking to me about, uh, hey, you know, I heard, you know, you lost everything. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, everything, you know, I'm the type of person that's gonna be like, yeah, I'm fine, you know, it's, it's all right. So he was like, oh, great. He's like, I'm glad to hear that. So we're gonna hit our numbers this month, right? And I looked at him and I was like you do realize 90% of our membership is not here. This, uh, the, the gym was in Grand Central at that time. So 
So it's a huge commutogen. And literally 90% of our members were not commuting into the gym to work out. They were commuting into the gym to take a shower. Mm -hmm. They were commuting into the gym to plug in so that they could do some work. They weren't even working out. And I looked at him and I was like, how am I supposed to do that? And he was like, you have to figure it out. And he left the office. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a huge learning experience. I had to figure it out. However, that was a huge challenge for me. And I didn't do it very well. I, I did not manage it very well. It was clearly on my face that I was not comfortable. And I wasn't, I, I couldn't just sell something that I wasn't ready to do myself. Mm. Like I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel ready to attack my fitness. I didn't feel ready to start training hard again in myself. And so where I was in my life, I projected that my members were also at the same part. And not everybody probably was, right? People probably wanted to train, but I projected that. And so that was the down, that was like sort of the down spiral of me leaving corporate fitness again and going on my own. I, I'm glad that you actually brought up that struggle because I'm pretty sure you get this a lot. Uh, folks, when, especially when it comes to social media, a lot of us have struggled to get to where we are. It, it, believe me, it was not all it was not all roses. You just see roses because that's what we post online. But there are some really tough times. And I'm glad that you actually brought that up, because as soon as you brought up that story, it actually reminded me of one of my old fitness managers when I was in grad school, because I had certain numbers I had to hit. But obviously, I'm in grad school. They know that. And so my numbers are a little bit lower, but I'm only in the club, um, especially ex trainers or trainers right now. You can understand this. I was in the club for maybe a total of five to six hours a day. That's not a long time. The our top selling trainers, they were there, no joke, maybe twelve to thirteen hours a day. So they are really getting right. in that customer interaction. They're taking group fitness classes, building connections. Where me, I'm only there from five AM to about ten AM and then maybe a couple hours in the evening if I'm lucky. So I had to become really innovative. And in, to beginning at the beginning, I failed. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I failed. I did not know what it took to become an A1 trainer. I did not know about the personal connections, uh, specifically when it came to women and gym anxiety, because that was my biggest mm. failure. And that's what I learned. Mm. So the fact that you were able to admit that you, you know, you did not you didn't you didn't knock out a home run. You didn't get a home run. You, you got a single. You got a double. That's something that a lot of people have to come to accept that it's not going to be a home run every time. It's going to be a bit of, of a trial and error. So, yeah, and you're going to strike out too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going to strike out. Definitely. It, it, it is a game of failure. Yeah. And uh, that's why those numbers are so important. But uh, let's get back to the mentorship because this is really why we're here. Uh, yep. I want you to tell everyone about your very first client that you ever had in your mentorship program. Hmm. Okay. It was actually not for fitness. It was when I decided to evolve my coaching practice away from the service side of fitness, I started to do some sort of life coaching. Um, and so I gravitated uh, to helping people, you know, with their, with their everyday performance beyond the gym. And so my first customer was actually in the graphic design. He was a young man. Really? Uh, so yeah, he was an awesome dude. 
really like motivated and like he listened to every motivation speaker. He was all about it, but he knew the key to him having success in his professional life was to have a coach. And so a friend of ours connected, uh, one of connected us and it was my first time training someone not doing push-ups, sit-ups in their fitness, but more or less their mental fitness. It was a, it was a huge learning lesson. Um, and so that taught me that I can do this. That gave me the confidence that, okay, I can actually do this. I can actually coach someone uh, beyond, you know, fitness and just sales and training. I can actually do this. Um, and there was a point, there was a, it was a point in our, in our, uh, in our journey where it all clicked for me. And he was having, he was having some difficulty believing in himself. And he was having some difficulty getting over this mental hurdle that he could be successful. He was actually getting ready to launch his own online magazine, right? This kid was amazing. And so we just started talking and, you know, he comes from an Asian background. And so his father was very, it was very hard on him. Yep. Um, and, you know, he was very honest about this and I'm listening to him and I'm listening to him and it brought my fatherhood, me being a father, I was able to step into that. And I said to him, I was like, your father sees you differently than you see yourself. Your father sees everything that you can be. Your father sees you at your highest potential. That's who your father sees. And I know it sounds challenging to believe that, but your father sees you very differently than you see yourself. And he sat with that for a couple of days and he came back to me and he was like, he started crying and he was like, I've never realized that my own father realized that about me. And I had to talk with him and it actually helped our relationship. And now I see things differently. That was a huge win for me. I was like, wow, I can do that, this. Like, that's I, a huge, I mean, I'm telling you right now, just hearing that story, that's huge because even from the, uh, the training background, you can see improvements and people, not only physically, but mentally before they ever will. Matter of fact, people will tell them that they see the change before they do. And they always don't and they don't believe it. And it's called imposter syndrome. And I and trust Mm. me, I know a lot about that because I went through a very deep episode of that this year and it was not pretty. Shout out to the girlfriend. I appreciate it. Love you, babe. I'm still going to eat cinnamon toast crunch, though. Um, (laughs) It uh, it's it's very real. And it's um. I mean, let's talk about actually. Let's talk a little bit about imposter syndrome. Do yeah. you find that a lot, especially with uh, newer uh, mentees that are coming in? All the time, and that's why you know earlier I was like, you know, have you done any personal development work? Have you done any personal growth? And if they haven't, it's going to really show up. It's going to show up when they want to go on camera. It's going to show up when they want to step out and post something on their social media. It's going to show up when it when it comes time to really like going forward with their business, it shows up a lot. Um, and it shows up a lot of times because they're more worried about being judged by their peers than they are about making impact on their community. Exactly. Exactly. The fear of what 
Joe uh, Joe Blow down the street or what your, your competition's going to say will hold more people back than anything else. And it's so true. I uh, anyway, sorry, James, keep going, man. I it's funny because I'm literally in the midst of that right now with one of my clients. I'm trying to get him out of his head because he works in the music industry and he's always talking about mm. this has got to be perfect, man. I got too many haters out there. I hate that word, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, no pun intended. Yeah. And I, and I always tell him, like, why do you care? And he goes, what do you mean, why do I care? They don't pay your bills. They're not contributing to your business. I said, there's a block button online for a reason. Like, you don't have to listen to that. And I, and I credit this to yoga because I can see the, the, the imag- I say imaginary, but it's very real to him. I know that. I see the imaginary obstacle that he doesn't need to climb over where he can simply walk right over it. But it's a mountain to him. But obviously, that's his mindset, not mine. And um, so sorry. I mean, it's it's uh, I'm dealing with that right now with the client. So it's just it's funny how you brought it up that way. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned him, actually. Right. Like he's an artist. And I look at what we do is an art. It's an art to it. Right. How do you get over imposter syndrome? Well, it always shows up like no matter where you no matter how high you go, it's always there. Right. And it's the reason that imposter syndrome is there is to protect us. It's our brain's way of saying, hey, take it easy, be careful, right? So once you understand what it's about, it actually helps you because when it does show up, that's a signal, and this is not my quote, but when imposter syndrome shows up, that is you about to step into your dreams. Mm. And when it shows up, it's like, oh, I'm about to step into something that is greater than myself. So that's a good sign. So now you understand what it is. Well, how do you how do you overcome it? Two things. One, if you're a trainer, you're a fitness coach, you're an artist, you're a musician. Why do you do what you do, right? Who do you do it for? So your customer. Think about them. Don't talk to anyone else other than your customer. They see you as the expert. They see you as the artist. They see you as somebody that is ahead of them. Number two, your mission. If your mission is not about you, but about something greater than yourself, just allow it to pull you. Just allow it to pull you through that. And that's how you get through that imposter syndrome. I, I, I really do love that second point. It's got to be bigger than you. Um, that That's excellently put. I love it. So you talked a lot about your very first client. Uh, what would you say, uh, who is your, sorry, not who, but can you tell us a little bit about your most challenging client? I mean, what client really made you pull your hair out or and forced you to grow? <laughs> I've had a few. <laughs> I've had a few. And it came back to, um, it came back to imposter syndrome. It came back to perfectionism. And this trainer, this coach comes to me and super motivated, told, told me everything I wanted to hear. And then uh, the pandemic hit and came to me and asked me, should we put this on hold or should we, you know, should we continue? And I was like, that's on you, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, why would you put this on hold? I'm going to ask you that. Why would you stop? Like, why do you not feel you need support? Do you not feel you need guidance? And do you not see a need for you to alter and evolve your business? And this person said, no, no, absolutely. You're right. You're right. So we continued. That should have been a red flag for me. 
It seems it, se- it seems like he did from the outside coming in. Let let me know if I'm wrong. It sounds like he wasn't a hundred percent on board. No, no, it wasn't. And, and I, I should have read the flags, right? I should have read the I'm a perfectionist, like you know, kind of aware of their shortcomings. I'm a perfectionist. I'm this. I'm that. But as coaches, we sometimes think we can fix everyone, right? We think what we know can do wonders for people, and that's not the case, right? We don't fix anybody. They, people fix themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I'm, I can help this person. I can absolutely fix this person. I can make this person the best coach. I can go show it up again. And throughout the pandemic, every time I give this person something, they wouldn't, they wouldn't take action. And I looked at that as a knock on me, as I looked at it as a knock on my own coaching. What am I not doing right for this person? Why am I not, you know, why am I not saying the right thing? Why am I not being the Tony Robbins? You know, why am I not being, uh, you know, the, um, the Gary V? Well, I wasn't those people. Of course, they're way ahead of me, but it wasn't me. It was them. And I had to accept that. I had to accept that this person was not ready for this kind of work. Mm-hmm. They had not done any personal growth. They have not done any, uh, you know, growth on their own. And so when they got into this position of, you know, all this business uh, knowledge and stuff coming at them, they couldn't handle it because their identity wasn't ready for it. And that's key. And we can talk about that a little bit more, but it was a struggle where you're giving this person everything, 100%. And they're not responding. So that was the biggest struggle I had. Hello. I'm glad you're enjoying the content. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and rating on your way out. It helps in more ways than you know. Okay, I'm done talking. Get back to the show. I, I feel that struggle 100%. I actually have this saying now, um, never work harder than your client. Because mm. I, I have clients right now. That I tell them, like we, I tell them it's a collaboration. I can only guide you if you take the steps. So if I'm trying to get you to step three, but you're still, but you won't take step one, well, we're both just sitting here staring at each other. And and here's a and here's a little fun little fact. So he was not a hundred percent bought in when you were age twenty, and you know you decided to get your life together, and you're getting ready to get your first store, and your old manager came up to you and said, "I can give you the keys right now." You were 100% bought in right there. And that's what I'm going to refer to it as. You were ready. You you didn't think about it. You had 24 hours to make a life-changing decision. And you made it and with full force effort. I always personally, and I want to hear your opinion on this. Anyone who's always hesitant to work with me or hesitant about making a purchase, I never take them because I know that they're not going to be 100% bought in. They may be 50% bought in. But that's what the trial version's for. Uh, that's what the trial's for. Um, so I, I always don't know. How do you always? How do you feel about customers or potential customers who aren't one hundred percent bought in? Um, I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but me personally, through my experience, I always found that the money isn't worth it. But also, more importantly, I feel like they just don't get everything they can out of the program because they won't. They won't take the steps. Whether it's fear of failing, which I think it is most of the time whether it's fear of being judged by others. I feel like you got to have a hundred percent commitment to anything that you do in life, especially as a business owner. Yeah. You know, I've struggled with that because it was the ego, right? I always felt like I can help everybody. 
Are we still like, you know, I want to help everybody. That's, that's the biggest part. I want to help everyone. When I see someone not believing in themselves, when I see someone with imposter syndrome, like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see, I, I look at that as suffering and I want to, I want to like fix and take that suffering away. So that's also a, a downside, a downside to me sometimes, right? It can also be a hindrance uh, as an entrepreneur and as a coach because you can't help everybody, right? And sometimes you, you have a great rule. You have to know, you have to have these rules in place that who are you going to help? Who's it going to be worth? And it took me a long time before I realized that, that, you know, I can't help everybody. But you only learn that lesson as you realize, hey, I really can't help everybody. So for me, in, the, in you know, a, a big part of my career, I struggled with that. And speaking of your career, uh, I touched on it in the intro. You're talking to an international man here. You're talking to someone who's worked on many different continents. And uh, actually, well, I want to touch on that right about now. What have you learned by working in so many different countries? Oof. Everyone's different. You know, everyone's different. And growing up as a New Yorker, you think the world revolves around you. Right? You're taught there's no world outside of New York. That's not true at all. Right. That is not true. And luckily, I, you know, I had the opportunity to go overseas and to open up gyms, mentor coaches, and to also work with the population in the Middle East. And when you want to talk humbling, you want to talk like you have to take a step back and you have to. It's kind of like learning everything brand new because people speak differently. People's intentions are very differently. People's upbringing and cultures are very differently. And so you, it's almost like, even though you're the expert, you have to approach it as a student. And that's exactly, you know, I was luckily, I wasn't young at that point anymore in my life. I was older and I was able to take that approach. Whereas some of the younger coaches struggled with that. You know, they struggled with, you gotta learn here. Like, yeah, you're the expert, but they're so different. And they expect things to be very differently than where you came from. So for me, what the biggest takeaway that I had was taking a student approach to any situation. Your communication skills are phenomenal. Uh, This is coming from someone who has a master's in communications because you have to know who your audience is. This is free game out there for everyone, and it will probably help solve 30 percent of your communication problems that you're having right now. So feel free to jot this down. You have to know who you're talking to. And I and I and I always go back to a coaching scenario with a personal training client, just so everyone can relate. I have a high schooler, I have a Paralympian um, who's going into high school, and I have a six-year-old that I'm training, and along with a, an older man. I do not talk to them the same. I'm telling you that right wow. now. Uh, the the older guy, he's a little bit more rough around the edges. He's lost his wife. He's beat cancer. Um, you know, he's a veteran. You know, if he's slacking, it, just because he's older doesn't mean you take it easy on him. If he's slacking, I, I can literally say this. Hey, Steve, I need you to get your ass in gear. <laughs> he's, going to, he's going to appreciate that a lot more than me buttering around the edges. The six-year-old, he's, he's a trip uh, in a good way. This, <laughs> completely different, right? You have a completely different approach to the six-year-old. Exactly. Sure. Like, I'm not going to tell a six-year-old, hey, you need to get your ass in gear. I'm gonna, the first thing I'm going to do is – I'm going to break the ice again because you have to break the ice a lot when it comes to kids. Oh, yeah. 
but once it's completely broken down, you might regret it because then they're just going to talk your ear off. But once I have that trust uh, built back up, then I can motivate them, whether that's through, hey, if you if you do this right, you know, there's a lollipop in it for you. Uh, or maybe that's, hey, if you do this set uh, correctly, 100 percent great form, I'll take a set off, whatever it is to motivate them. The high schooler, the one who has ambition to play college ball. I can be a little bit more rough with him. And also, you know, we have had this talk with his parents. I can let him know like, hey, uh, I'm not going to say his name. Insert name here. You're you're fucking up today. I'm just letting you know right now that your form's not on point. What's going on? This is going on. Hey, I know you got a lot going on with school right now. The girlfriend right now, what I need you to do is I need you to take a breath. I need you to buckle down. I need you to make sure that your back is straight. I need that hip hinge perfect. I need you to pop your hips through. You got this? I got it. You got it? Yeah, I'm going to hear you yell it. I'm not going to talk that same way to everyone. So communication is key. Know who you're talking to. Um, sorry, James, but I, I really, oh. uh, there are a lot of people out there, especially business owners who feel like they can talk the same way to everyone. Uh, and I'm just like, dude, like that is a, that is a 55 year old woman who came here for a yoga class. Like, stop. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a huge deal. I mean, communication is, it's huge in business. It's one of the top three, right, uh, of the needs that an entrepreneur, a coach, anyone needs to have is communication. So I'll tell you a funny story, and I'm glad you brought this up. So this will give you a good indication of, like, know your audience, right? So it's the first day, and I'm coaching, you know, I, I was, uh, I coached all Arab men. We only coach men in the Middle East. And the class is all, there's no expats, it's all Arabs. Um, and they're great guys. They're, they're awesome. They're amazing. And so I'm teaching the deadlift and I use, I try to use my joke, my go-to to break the ice of the stripper deadlift, right? And I perform what looks like the stripper deadlift. They all looked at me like, what the heck am I doing? And they're, they're like, kind of like looking at me weird. And one of the guys, he's also like, he had um, experience in America. He came here, he went to college here and he looked at me and goes, coach, he's like, these guys don't know what a stripper is. And you moving like that makes them feel really weird. <laughs> I started dying laughing. And that was like the beginning to understanding, oh my God. Yeah, these guys have no idea what a stripper is. They have no idea what I just did. And I just moved real provocatively to a bunch of men. So, know your audience. <laughs> that, uh, sorry, I'm not laughing. No, that is a funny situation. <laughs> sorry, oh, you can laugh. You can laugh. Uh, I laugh all the time now when I think about that. Oh man, yeah, I could see, I could see how, uh, I could see the stares and the the thoughts in their head right now. Like, what in the hell did I just sign up for? <laughs> yeah, who is this guy? Who brought the crazy American in here? Well, I mean, I love these stories because I really do hope to travel internationally here soon enough, to, uh, you know, to help other business owners. What's a, what's another fun one you got for us? I mean, I I mean, there's a lot people can learn from you. Oh, my God. You know, do you do you have a do you have anything from, let's say, a Pacific Islander or an Asian background? I, I, I have a fascination with Asian culture. Um, one of these days I want to explore it a little bit more, but I when it comes to their mindset training, obviously everyone can do everything. Everyone's different. It's dependent on the individual, but they really do have a strong mindset. And I just wonder like, how, where yeah. does that start? But uh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So I worked with a lot of Filipinos and they may be, I mean, you want to talk about hardworking and I mean, 
so many different cultures and backgrounds pride themselves on hard work. Um, but working with uh, Filipinos, and they were the best. They were my guys. They were awesome. And they were so disciplined in their approach. And they were so humble in trying to understand and learn what you had to say. But then when you gave them something, the execution was incredible. You know, they just, they, they, they observed you, they listened, they didn't, they didn't respond, right, just to respond to you. They listened and observed. And then this way, when they went to execute, it was always on point. And it was always above what I expected. And so I really feel that the, uh, the, the Filipino culture uh, not only prides themselves on hard work, but the actual execution of the job. Like it, it, they, they do a fantastic job. And so I always get now my virtual assistants from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I just work really, really well with them. Um, and, you know, they're fantastic when it comes to structure, organization, and communication of what that means and communication of expectations. Oh man, that's, that's excellent. Uh, so one thing before we start wrapping it up here, what, what's your favorite business memory that you have? Mm, there's so many. I'm 42 now. I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> that's why when you get me talking about my story, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot to go on here. Um, one of my favorite business memories. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say I loved, I had a coach recently. This is, I mean, there's so many, but I'm going to use this one. Um, I had a coach recently who uh, just kind of got into it over the last few years. You know, comes from a very small town, um, doesn't really know much uh, about the city life, but is working now in Austin, Texas. And he's never made a lot of money in fitness before. He worked for a gym that he made pennies on a dollar. He's running his own business now. We've been working together for a good four or five months. And he shoots me a message and he ends up getting a Hollywood actress reaching out to him, asking him to train her and her children. She just moved to Austin, Texas. And he's like, oh my God. So I kind of walk him through that. And I'm like, how'd she find you? He's like, my Instagram. He's been very consistent with using all the tools that we've been working on for his, for his social media. And so he gets this Hollywood actress and it's phenomenal. A couple of, couple of weeks later, he sends me a message back and I'm like, Hey, you know, share with me your wins, you know, cause that's something I, I always encourage people to do is share your wins. They're all around you, share your wins. And he sends me back the, the amount of money he's made. He's like, but more importantly, he's like, I don't have to worry about bills. He's like, this is the first time in my adult life. I don't have to worry that I cannot pay my bills. I can pay my bills and it all clicked this young man. And so that right there to me was why I do what I do. That right there. You found something bigger than you. Yes. There you go. Right. Something that's pulling me versus me having to push against it. I, I truly believe there's an, there's an instinct in a lot of us to really want to reach out and help other people. And whether you do that through consulting, hands-on work, whatever your gift is out there, I always encourage everyone to find out what are you good at and what do you like to do and really try to find a way to make that your career. And more out of not, more times out of not, it's going to be helping people. It really is. 
Um, just that just, you know, my little opinion on it. So we've been talking here for almost a good hour. Everyone now, they keep going. <laughs> I wish we could, man. You know, people have attention spans like goldfish. They, uh, for sure. Absolutely. They, uh, hold on just a second. Sorry. And that's not important. You know how these phone interviews go. People are always trying to call you. They're just trying to sell me something probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, we've been talking for a good hour here. Everyone has a clear idea of what you do here. Uh, how can they get in contact with you or what promotions are you running here running into the new year? That's a perfect time. I'm running a 30-day accelerator course starting in January. So if you're a, court, if you're a coach, you're a trainer, uh, you're an online entrepreneur and you want a jump start into the new year, uh, my 30-day accelerator course begins January 4th. Uh, so you can reach me at James P. Quigley through Instagram. Or you can find me at thejamesquigley.com. And anybody that's listening today, what I'd love to offer is a free 90-minute coaching consult. So all you have to do is shoot me a, with the word with the with the message Ian. So just shoot me the word Ian, and I know that's you. You listen to this, and you'll get a free 90-minute consult, and we can talk about getting your business going in the new year. Right, I'm going to let you guys know this right now. That's huge. A 90 minute consultation for free. That that's that's big. There's I actually had to answer this question a while ago. Someone asked me, what do you value the most in your life? And I told them time. You can you can always get more money uh, to an extent. You can always get more wives. That's a two chains lyric. But you can never get more time like you, you can't buy more time. So the fact that you have someone, especially with this amount of experience, we're talking over 17 years, that's willing to sit down and talk to you for 90 minutes for a consultation, I, you take it. I'm telling you right now, if you don't take it, you will regret it, and I hope it haunts you. Thank you. Yeah, James, uh, with someone with your credentials who's been doing this as long as you have and from another person who's always on podcasts, a lot of times when you finish up with these, you always kind of wish, man, I wish I would have said that. I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there something out there that you want the people to know about you or know about what you do or how you can help them that we didn't cover today? You know, it's more about that. Um, If you're a coach out there, you're a trainer, if you're struggling, here's what I want you to do. Just take a step back, take a deep breath, and then go get some help. Ask for help. One of the hardest things to do in life, especially if you're a man or, you know, you have a lot of pride, a lot of ego, is to literally step away, step outside. Ask, ask for help. It's okay. Um, and remember, more importantly, it's not about you. This is not about you. We talked a lot about your mission. We talked a lot about something greater, right? If you step into that, you're going to realize that there's a lot, there's something else out there for you. Keep going, allow that to unfold. Um, so for me, it's all about helping others continue to pay that forward to I love it. And, and I always like to wrap up every one of my interviews with this. Trends in our industry, the state of industry, the fitness industry is massive. And I'll, I'll throw this out there. I mean, right now I would say it's even under attack due to COVID restrictions, gym spaces mm-hmm. are limited. Coaches and business owners alike are being forced to grow. If you are not growing or if you have not grown in these last nine months, chances are you are out of business or you're finding your way almost out of business. 
Um, that's how I personally feel about it. The coaches who have really stuck to their guns, who have had taken on a student mentality to keep learning, to listen to their customers, they are the ones that are thriving, and I feel like they're the ones that are come out on top. James, Mr. Quigley, our current state yeah. of industry right now, what's your opinion on it? I mean, how do you feel about it? It's a struggle. You know, you're, 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 it's a struggle right now. There's a big shift. Um, there's a big shift in brick and mortar to online. Uh, you're forced to learn all of these new skills. And so with this shift happening, it's going to take a lot of grit and a lot of resiliency. So how are you building that? How are you going into it, uh, focusing on your discipline each and every day? Uh, because things are changing very, very quickly. And so you need to be disciplined. You need to have grit. You need to have resiliency. But you need to be flexible. And you have to have, like Ian said, that student mindset so that you can learn and you can push forward. James, it has been an honor, seriously. Uh, making it in this business, especially as long as you have, I mean, it's it takes a lot of, like you said, grit resiliency this isn't for the weak of heart this isn't for those who don't know what they want to do this isn't for people who aren't interested in helping other people whether you know that or not that's what you do the gym any type of fitness activity yoga it all starts with the mind state and that's really what it helps with the mental transfers into the physical that's my personal belief and james i really feel like you embody that so from everyone here i want to say thank you especially for uh being our first guest on the business of fitness. Personal growth is necessary to make it in the business world, people. Trust me, I'm still growing myself and others in my network are growing all the time. I see it. That's what LinkedIn's for. Take some time and think about what you want to do and how you can make a bigger impact in the lives of the people that you work with and get in contact with a proven business coach like Quigley today. All right, that's it for me. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the business of fitness we have a star-studded lineup coming to you this season and i can't wait for you to get involved with them you really don't want to miss out with that said everyone make sure you leave a question or a comment on the ig page or facebook whatever it is that you're on i think i'll even get this started on uh, snapchat for the younger generation i'm starting to get a little bit more feedback from them with that said enjoy your holiday peace and love listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube